Hey everyone, this is Yvette Hampton. Welcome back to the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast. It's Wednesday or maybe Saturday, whatever day it is you're listening to this, it's airing on Wednesday. But if you are listening to this on Wednesday and you missed our um, conversation on Monday, go back and listen to that. We are talking this week about logic and about learning how to think well. And it's so important for us as Christians, as humans, as adults, to know how to be good thinkers and then to be able to pass that on to our kids. But before we jump back in, I wanna thank our sponsor again, CTC Math. If you guys are looking for a great math curriculum, go to ctcmath.com, try them out for free, ctcmath.com. All right, Kathy, we are um, back and we're talking about, well, well, Monday we ended talking about critical thinking. We were talking about how to define logical fallacy and, and a fallacy is an error in thinking. We talked about that. We talked about um, bias and cognitive bias and what that means. And then we talked also about propaganda and uh, what that looks like in the world that we live in. And we gave a couple of examples, but can you give us some more examples of critical thinking? Absolutely. Okay. So here's one that, and I love to use simple examples for people to get the concept and then bring it into real life, into how this is showing up in society. So let me just start with, um, I'm going to start with one that is called, and I'm going to just give you the easy one. I won't, I won't okay. do the test and say, can you guess what this is? So um, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yes. One of the logical fallacies is called equivocation. So equivocation is when you change the meaning or the definition of a word or a phrase in the middle of a sentence. Okay. Have you ever seen uh, a sign on the billboard? Uh, like say, maybe they're trying to get people to stop smoking and the, and the billboard will say, if you're looking for a sign to stop smoking, this is it. Okay. Uh That's equivocation of the word sign. They're using it to mean a literal like sign on the side of the road, but also kind of as a sign or a signal to us, like what's my sign that I should do this. They're using it in two different ways. A lot of times, a lot of um, jokes and puns come from this. Mm -hmm. And so it can be, they can be very funny, but they can also be very dangerous. Here's one of the big equivocations that has, um, I know for me, I have seen come into play in the last, I will say just five years, um, maybe even more so in the last three, and it is the word racism. Okay. Mm-hmm. Racism, especially if you go back and you read Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech, his definition, and I think the traditional definition of the word racism is when you treat somebody differently based on the color of this of their skin. Mm-hmm. And the whole point was you shouldn't do that, right? We should, God says that we're all created in his image. We should all be treated the same way. We shouldn't treat people differently based on the color of their skin. Well, that definition has now changed. Now the definition mm-hmm. of racism is if you don't treat somebody differently or uniquely or special because of the color of their skin. Right. So can you imagine? I mean, and, and we have seen this conversation play out over the last couple of years of you've got two different generations or people using two different definitions of this world, of this word, trying to have an argument or a conversation. And the, the meaning of the word has completely changed. And people don't even realize that it has changed. They don't even realize they're using the word with different meanings and it's causing frustration. And there's all these policies being made around it now and it doesn't make sense. And this is why it's because the word itself, the meaning of it has been changed. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I never have actually even thought about 
uh, the specific meaning of that word and what it was first intended to be and what it has become today. So that's interesting. Right. That's really, really interesting. interesting. Here's another one, ad hominem. So oh, ad, yeah. an ad hominem attack, it's a Latin word that just means to the man, right? So basically an ad hominem attack is when you're attacking the person, um, their character, or maybe personal traits about that person rather than actually disproving their argument. So Mm -hmm. we saw this a lot during uh, the Trump administration, right? Um, Whatever Donald Trump would say or his wife, Melania, would say, they would get attacked. It was so easy just to call Donald Trump the orange man or Cheeto, (laughs) right? Or something like that. So it's picking up this, you know, one characteristic about him and calling names essentially without even looking at, well, is what he said, is the thing, are the things that he's saying, are they actually true? Are they good? Mm -hmm. Well, they just discounted him. And same thing happened to Melania. Whenever she would try to say something, what did she get attacked for? Her accent, right? She is not a native, you know, English speaker. Or the baseball cap that she wore or. (laughs) Right. And none of it. So it was all, it's, you know, just kind of attacking the person rather than actually looking at what they're saying and saying, is there merit to this? Is there value? Is it true? Mm -hmm. So in in the fallacy detective, I know they talk about all of these different fallacies and there's names for so many different ones. And it's fascinating. Like you said, like I never knew, I mean, one, I had never even understood that fallacy was really a thing. I mean, I know, of course, people have wrong thinking, you know, but that you could study different fallacies. And um, the book is absolutely fascinating. I mean, again, Kathy, you know, mentioned it. It's called The Fallacy Detective. And as a matter of fact, we uh, just recently, Caleb Schrader was on the podcast and he talked about this book as well. So yeah. we'll put a link to this book in the show notes, of yes. course, so you guys can get a hold of it. Um, but it is, it, it, and it's it's a fun book to read yes. because you just read it, read this one with your kids. This is not a book that you want to hand to your kids and say, here, read on your own. This is like a good dinner time book you guys yes. can read together, um, you know, as a family. And start recognizing how to and recognize. know, understand yes. good fallacy and, and recognize what each of the different ones are. Because, yeah, it's it, it's an absolutely amazing book. Well, and the thing that I've been amazed with as I've been researching for my podcast is how many there are. Because the yeah. book, you know, The Fallacy Detective is such a good introduction. And it talks about 38 fallacies. There's, right. I have now come up with a list of over 150. Really? Because right? wow. I'm like, I want to do a little episode on each one. I'm like, there's a lot of them. It's kind of crazy right. how many are out there. Um, so, but but I, I'm with you. I can't highly enough recommend families to go through that book together. Yeah. Um, do you talk about the red herring fallacy? Because yeah, so, that's something that you often, like you'll hear people say, and I never understood what that was until this book, you know, know. I'll hear people say, oh, that's a red herring. I'm like, oh, I don't even what know what they're talking mean? about. I don't know what that means. Yes. Because okay, I think so that's probably the most common one we hear about, right? We see it a lot. I mean, we see yeah. it, especially if you're looking at political um, debates or even people mm-hmm. on the news. Uh, but a red herring is, let me, and I'll explain the background to it, but basically a red herring happens when somebody asks a question or is you know, supposed to be talking about a topic and they answer with something that is completely off topic. They don't even address the original thing. They just answer with some other, who knows? It could be crazy. It could be most likely completely irrelevant. Here's where that fallacy comes from. 
at one point, the dog trainers, people who are training dogs to be like hunting dogs, tracking dogs, what they would do is they would put a dog on a scent. Like say this dog is hunting, I don't know, turkeys, right? I don't train dogs to hunt. <laughs> so let's say they're, <laughs> let's say he's training a dog to hunt turkeys. They would put the dog on a scent trail and then they would take a rotten fish. A red herring is a fish. It's just a stinky fish. And they would take the red herring and kind of like rub it along that trail, kind of across the turkey trail, going off in another direction. And it was Mm. a test for the dogs to see if the dogs would take the new scent or if they would stay on the original scent for the turkeys. And so that's why a red herring is something that's designed to get you completely off track on something that has nothing to do with what it was that you were originally trying to do. Yeah. So interesting. We're going to break. We'll be right back. Remember the songs that you learned as a little child? They're still deep in your memory and on the tip of your tongue, and they'll last a lifetime. Imagine if those precious songs had taught you God's Word. Using the classical model, BibleQuest provides both a plan and ready-to-use tools like scripture memory songs, games, and activities to make lifelong teaching of the Bible easy and effective. Simply pick a few tools for the week, practice them together, and enjoy how easy and effective teaching God's Word can be. Try four weeks free at BibleQuestClassical.com forward slash rocked. That's R-O-C-K-E-D. Do you want to encourage independent learning in your students? Do you have multiple students with individual learning styles? Homeschooling is an excellent opportunity to customize your child's education. BJU Press is here to help. For each academic subject, BJU Press has created video lessons that will lead your child through each of their courses. Your child will experience thorough lesson content administered by experienced and engaging teachers who will walk your child through the assignments so they know what to expect. Visit their website at bjupresshomeschool.com to see what courses are available for your student. We are back with Kathy Gibbons. Um, So let's talk really quickly about schools, like, because this is not something, and you and I talked about this at the beginning of uh, Monday's episode, we were never taught this in school. And I went to, like I said, I went to a private school. I went to a Christian school my whole life. Yeah, I did too. And I was never taught anything about how to think. Again, I was always just taught like what to think. And I was Mm -hmm. never taught critical thinking. Why is this not taught in schools today so or, this, or even in the past. Yes. Okay. So this is a fascinating topic because it did used to be at one point, it did used to be taught in schools. Um, you know, logical thinking was very much valued. The, the, one mm-hmm. of the people that we tend to think as the originator of logic is Aristotle. So we're talking like thousands of years ago, right? This has been around, but let's bring it up to kind of more modern times. And how did we get to this place? So it begins back with the Prussian army. So the end of the 1700s, beginning of the 1800s, Prussia was, um, a little country kind of where Germany is at right now, okay? And in the 1800, 18, early 1800s, the Prussian army was world famous for having really, really good soldiers. Uh, Prussia was a dictatorship, 
And this was kind of their economy. Their economy was built on soldiers that they would actually rent out to other countries. So if some other country was having a war, <laughs> get a Prussian soldier because you are kind of guaranteed a win because they were wow. just that good. Interestingly, there were Prussian soldiers on both sides of the Revolutionary War, which I think is oh, so fascinating interesting. to me. Yeah. yeah. So very interesting. Now in Prussia, all behavior was controlled by the dictators, by authorities. Mm -hmm. They despised free will because free will makes for bad soldiers. And remember, their whole economy was built on kind of this war machine, and you have to have good soldiers in order to, you know, in order to do that. Well, in sure. 1806, Prussia had suffered a devastating loss to Napoleon, right? They had this, it was this battle that they, it almost just, and it almost destroyed their reputation as a military, which if that happened, the country crumbles, right? Because this was their primary way that they made money was by renting out their soldiers, essentially. And so uh, they were like, okay, we have to look into this. So they assigned, I don't know, scholars and politicians and whatnot to look into it look into it and find out what happened. Why did we lose this battle in such a devastating way? And what they found, the problem was that the soldiers were thinking for themselves and they were choosing which orders they were going to obey. They were choosing which generals or which leaders they were going to listen to. And that caused a lack of discipline lack of obedience. And if you're, if you have soldiers who are not following the orders, that's not good. Like that is right. one place where you really do want soldiers, you want them, you know, kind of following orders. So they ordered the scholars of Prussia to develop a system that would end any possibility of this happening again, um, because they couldn't have this, right? So where are they? So they said, okay, well, where are we getting this, you know, group of men to join this army? Well, it's from our population, the general population, and their, you know, young kids coming in. So they said, well, how, what can we do to make sure that these young kids who are, you know, coming into their teenage years, late teens and joining this army won't disobey, and they'll yeah. obey our, the orders that we give them. And so the result was the very first mandatory government school system. Ah. And guess what? It worked. They designed yep. this school system to kind of be uh, like a conveyor belt. This is the school system mm -hmm. that we are all familiar with now. Right. You know, okay, we get the kids early and mm -hmm. we train them. And there's very specific things that we're training them to do and, and to... And to not do, and yes, we're teaching them along the way, but the whole purpose for the way the system was designed was to spit out good workers that would not think for themselves. Mm -hmm. And guess what? It worked. So yep. this word got out, right? Word gets out. Hey, they've got this new thing over there and pressure that they're doing. It's working. It's producing these soldiers. It's producing really good workers that will listen to their boss. It will be obedient. And so the whole world came and said, mm -hmm. show us what you're doing. Horace Mann, a lot of people might be familiar with that name. He yep. is the person from the United States who went yep. and brought this system back to the United States. And interestingly, um, they didn't want it here in the United States. The people, the parents, the families didn't want it. Even there were some schools, even in Massachusetts, where the families showed up with guns to the schoolhouse saying, no, we do not want this system uh, right. in our schools. And of course... 
you know, the story that they, they, they lost. And yeah. that is the system that we have. And the whole point of it was to create quote unquote obedience school and yeah. to create the factory model school where we put you mm-hmm. on this conveyor belt and you are moved yeah. through and you are not taught to think you are yeah. actually taught to be able to obey orders. And, mm-hmm. um, because that's, that's what we want because, a a a a people group, a country who know how to think for themselves are not easily controlled. And governments realize that they want people who they can easily control. They want people who they can manipulate. They want people who don't know how to think for themselves for that reason. And so guess what? It's not taught in schools. But guess who still does get taught this? Homeschoolers. Well, homeschoolers, (laughs) yes. Come on, guys. Homeschoolers and the children of the elite. They go to schools where they actually still teach this because they're Mm. in their mind, they're raising the kid, the next generation who are going to control the masses of people who don't know how to think. And so, and the thing is, it's very simple. It's very simple. It's very fun. And if you teach your kids this, they will forever have this skill and uh, be impossible to fool. Yeah. Is your podcast, um, I've listened to a few episodes and the ones that I've heard um, definitely are are good for kids, but is this a podcast that would be good for kids to listen to with their parents Yes, as as we learn to recognize these fallacies? Absolutely. In my mind, I'm talking to middle and high schoolers in my mind. Now, not to say that like a fifth, sixth, you know, grader uh, couldn't listen to it and get it. Absolutely. But that's kind of my, that's kind of who I'm, who I'm thinking of in my mind. But yes, it is, it is, uh. Rated G. Yes. Safe okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I was actually, as you're talking, I'm thinking, and, and I actually just made myself a note. I thought, you know, I think I'm going to include this in Brooklyn because she's going into 11th grade this year. I think I'm oh, going yes. to include yeah. this in her curriculum for the year um, of having her listen to your podcast because she's an auditory listener or auditory learner anyway. Yeah. And um, this would be so good for her too because we, we've been through part of the fallacy detective um, book. We haven't gone through the whole thing yet. We're, we'll finish that this year. Yeah. Uh, but this would be fantastic for her. Oh, I'd so love you to have so much good information. So let me ask you this. What are the biggest threats? I mean, are there threats to thinking well today? Because we're talking about, you know, this taking kids through this conveyor belt, which is really what we're still doing in the public school system today. Um, Are there threats to teaching our kids to be good thinkers? Huge threats. And I've already mentioned one of them. So one of the biggest threats to uh, to thinking well is emotionalism, right? We live mm. in a society that's all about if it feels good, it must right. be right. If it makes you happy, right? Um, don't do things that don't make you happy. Why would you do things that are hard, right? All these things. We right. have all right. there so much of the messaging that we are getting and that our kids and our families are getting is all about our feelings and feeling good and making ourselves happy and mm-hmm. and emotionalism. And it's almost like we have elevated our emotions above the truth. We've elevated our emotions. If it feels good, it must be right. If you feel right. like you are a boy, you must be a boy. If you feel right. like, right, all of these things, things that are not up for debate based in the emotional realm have been put up for debate in the emotional realm. And it's very, it has been very hard for people to differentiate between fact and feeling. And those two things have been very intermeshed. And now we have your truth and my truth and his truth and her truth and everybody's truth that are all based on, if you dig down, how they feel. And so emotionalism is 
one of the biggest threats uh, to good thinking. The other one is relativism, right? In society today, there is no absolute truth. It's all relative. Your truth is your truth. And your truth could be whatever you want it to be today. And you could change it tomorrow. And then you could have a different truth truth after that. But then I have my truths and I can have my truth about this one event that happened. And you could have your truth about this one event that happened. And there, you know, another relativism is there's many ways to get to heaven or there's many ways to get to God or there's many ways that God uh, speaks to us and there's many ways that God is true and right. All these things, all these messages that there is, it, it, it's completely taken out um, what God tells us in the Bible. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Well, relativism says, maybe that's good for you, but that's not for me. Yeah. Right. And so when you have no actual truth and you have nothing that, that is, well, then you're all over the, you're all over the map and we can have somebody being confirmed for a Supreme court justice who doesn't even know what a woman is because yeah, right. that's relativism, right? That's relativism. Yeah. So those two things Emotionalism and relativism are insidious in our society, and it keeps people, if you believe those two things to be true, if you believe that you should follow your emotions, and if you believe that there is no truth, mm -hmm. it makes good thinking very, very difficult because, right. because who's to say what good thinking even is, right? Right, 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 right. exactly, exactly. Wow, absolutely fascinating. Uh, thank you so much, Kathy, for being with us this week. Um, you guys can find Kathy at, tell me your website again. Yes, filterthroughbraincell.com. I am on Instagram at filterthroughbraincell. My podcast is called Filter It Through Brain Cell and uh, Kathy Gibbons on Facebook. Awesome. All those links will be in the show notes. You guys, thank you so much for listening today. If you are blessed by the Schoolhouse Rocked podcast, we would love for you to consider a donation to the Schoolhouse Rocked ministry so that we can keep reaching families for Christ and uh, just bringing the homeschool encouragement that we bring through the podcast. Uh, SchoolhouseRocked.com. Go to the website. You'll see a donate here button and you can make a donation through there. Thank you guys for listening. We love you and we will see you back here tomorrow. Bye. What we do at IEW is break through the, the noise of the grammar and the writing prompts, and we say, this is what you do, step by step. And I've witnessed it over and over again, both watching Andrew teach and hearing from parents, this is the best writing program. We've made it so easy and made it really affordable. So any mom can teach writing to their children using our course, and we guarantee it. To try three weeks of free lessons, visit IEW.com.